With the Peace Corps, you can use your skills and talents to make lasting change in the world. Do the unexpected. Apply now and become a Peace Corps volunteer. Learn more at peacecorps.gov. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday is Kevin O'Connor from TheRinger.com. Kevin! How's it going, Chris? Well, uh, before we get into all the basketball news, the Ringer.com released a very controversial list yesterday, and it was the fast <laughs> food items, and I scrolled down until I could find your name, and I did find your name on one of the entries, did I not? Yes, you did. What was the food item? I forgot already. Uh, <laughs> it was the honey barbecue chicken sandwich from Whataburger. Really? That was and that was your choice. Yep. How high did you have that? Because it was not it was not uh, high on the list. I ha- I had it number one. It's the best fast food I've ever had. <laughs> like I, I had it for the first time a couple of months ago when I was in Houston for the Rocket Story, and I went there for the first time, and I was like, "Hmm, that sounds pretty damn good." So, so I got that. It was definitely the best best meal I've ever had. However, I'm disappointed that Chipotle's burrito bowls aren't on there. Like we have Chipotle, but where is Chipotle's burrito bowls? Those are yeah. incredible. Like Those I said, the I mean, listen, there, there should be an entire podcast devoted to arguing that particular list. Um, <laughs> but this happens to be the NBA show. So I will alert people. They did do a fast food list on the ringer.com that is well worth checking out so that you can get very angry about the choices. And Kevin O'Connor is represented with, uh, I suppose, the only vote for the Whataburger Honey barbecue chicken sandwich or whatever it was. All right, let's talk about some of the some of the big news that has happened over the course of the last couple of days. Um, buyouts. So teams that you know the rich keep getting richer. This is the way that um, teams are able to add to their rosters. And you had brought this up a couple of weeks ago that this may be the route for Cleveland in the absence of having tradable assets. You would just wait until the uh, the buyout market um, comes to fruition and then be able to add guys. Already added Darren Williams. Uh, Andrew Bogut is evidently, uh, his. He, he is being waived by the Philadelphia 76ers, and so he is going to have meetings with four different teams, according to ESPN, uh, Houston, the Spurs, the Cavs, and the Celtics. But let's get to the Darren Williams one first. Darren Williams uh, goes to the Cavaliers. I think this does move the needle for them. What say you? I think it helps for sure, and, and LeBron can stop you know, whining about not having a backup playmaker on the team because Darren Williams is easily probably the best option they could have gotten. Like last month, they they worked out Kirk Heinrich, Lance Stevenson. I mean, come on now, right? And Dar- no. Darren Williams is going to fall in their lap after getting bought out. It's it's great. I think it's really good for them because it's like we talked about before, Chris. The whole point is to help add a ha- add a playmaker that can help ease the path to the finals. Darren Williams might play 25 minutes per game in the first round, but in the finals he might not have to play at all. That's the whole point, is to help them get there, and Darren Williams is a reliable veteran point guard, great in the pick and roll. He's exactly what they need. And I read somewhere yesterday that according to Synergy and some of these uh, these breakdown sites, he is still an outstanding pick and roll player, right? So in the, in the very... Yeah. You know, in very basic form, you've got Darren Williams coming in. If you just ran pick and rolls with him, which you could over and over again, especially with that team, then 
he can really, really contribute to the team. And it's something he, you know, it's it's almost like I've I've seen him compared to uh, an older Billups, right? Where it's just a guy that knows exactly how to run this particular type of offense. And especially when you're, you know, in, in your backup situations, you're not asking them to take over games or anything. But if he can just come in and run the pick and roll as effectively as he has uh, throughout his career and so far this season, then that's a big, big bonus for them because they, they haven't even had that going for them. Um, and they've been having to play LeBron a thousand minutes a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another thing that's a factor with him is he's a good shooter off the catch, too. So, like, obviously LeBron and Kyrie are going to have the ball in their hands, like, most of the time. But Darren Williams has shot over 40% consistently since 2013. So, look, Darren Williams, they're going to use him in pick-and-roll situations. He's going to take take over the Delavidover role. But if they need him to play off ball, he can space the floor for you, too. So I don't think he really hurts you in, in any way at all. He, he's a really good addition for them. All right, Bo gets the other big name that's hanging out there. As I mentioned, the four teams he's going to talk to. So Houston, the Spurs, Cavs, the Celtics. Who does Bo get help the most? Um, I, I think the I, Celtics. I kind of want to say, I, you think the Celtics? How come? I think the, you go I first. Think the, I think the Celtics because of their desperate need for some toughness and rebounding, right? They get they, – there are these moments throughout the game. Yeah. Where there's these moments throughout the game. They can't get the damn ball. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, like, I don't feel like – I don't feel like Houston or the Spurs or the Cavs have that kind of glaring weakness that the Celtics do, that you just can't go these, you know, several-minute stretches without, you know, where it's like every time you miss, they get the ball, and every time they miss, they get the ball. I mean, you know – you gotta they they gotta have something in there um, that can go snatch the rebound and you know the the last line of defense is being able to get the ball back and so they need that and I think I think actually Bogut of those four teams he's going to talk to I think it would help the Celtics the most but I, I feel like uh, you were about to go somewhere different uh, I I wouldn't argue with that I mean Amir Johnson stinks he he's not good anymore. Al Horford doesn't rebound for the Celtics at all. I mean, so they do need a guy like Bogut. But I was going to say the Houston Rockets. And I think because they're the team where you look at them and it's like they have Clint Capella, who's a really good rim protector, but they do lack that kind of enforcer type in Bogut. I mean, they're playing Montrez Harrell a lot. So it's like I think Bogut is just an upgrade, right? And he's he's someone that could end up playing towards the end of games end of game situations on defense even over Capella. So I think I think Houston's close. I don't I don't think you know they're gonna. Knock, I'm not saying they're gonna knock off Golden State, but if I think if any team has a chance to do it, it's definitely them or the Spurs. And the Spurs, like you said, they kind of already had that filled. Whereas with Houston, I think I think Bogut would be a great addition for them. But if I'm Bogut, I'm definitely looking towards the East, whether it's Cleveland or Boston, one of those two teams. Yeah, and if he went to Cleveland, I mean, good grief! What they're gonna add, they're gonna have Darren Williams <laughs> and Andrew Bogut? That's yeah, so unfair! It's, it's ridiculous. Um, the other guy's I mean, name was out there. It is what it is. The, all right, the other waved guy is Calderon, and Calderon's out there. It appears as if he's going to sign with Golden State. And interesting story today that there were at least some within the Golden State hierarchy that are higher on Brandon Jennings, but it got too far down the road with Calderon. Like, you would have never suspected that Brandon Jennings is just out there to be able to be attained (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Like you weren't. Nobody saw that one coming. Um, and so there it is. Brandon Jennings out there, but it's like, well, damn, we already are too far down the road on Calderon. What did you What did you make of Calderon and the story that he's going to end up with the Warriors? Why are you laughing so hard? <laughs> because isn't the NBA great that yeah. we're talking about thirty five year old Jose Calderon going to the Warriors? I mean, yeah. like it's such like it's like every single move in the NBA matters. Like everything's under a microscope. Because you don't know who where, when these guys will be needed sometime down the line. Like there could be a game in June where Calderon has to come off the bench and score some points or make some plays for the Warriors in order to win the finals. It's just a fun thought to think about. Like every move matters for all these teams. Oh, trust me. Hey, if there's ever a lesson I have learned uh, in hosting a national podcast, it's that you have to be aware of literally everybody, including Sean Holmes. I I swear it is the bane (laughs) of my existence. Like somehow... The joke that is Rashawn Holmes. At the beginning of the season, when when you and I talked about Rashawn Holmes, I didn't know who he was. Forgive me. And in fact, I responded to a guy last night. He, he said, "Do you even cover the NBA?" I'm like, "Wow." Uh, <laughs> forgive me for not being aware of the play of a guy that shot the ball 200 times in an entire season on a 72 loss team. <laughs> like, <laughs> if that's the barometer. For do you know the NBA? Then I fear I don't, Kevin. This Rashad Holmes thing is hilarious. And of course, he, you know, he goes off last night. He has a really good game. And I stoked the fire by telling people not to tweet me about Rashawn Holmes. So, of course, the uh, the entire Philadelphia fan base decided that they wanted to tweet me about Rashawn Holmes. And so I went from thinking it was funny to semi-resenting him, to loving him, to where I think I resent him again because of what you've done. Well, look, man, he had a good night last night. 15 points against the, against the Warriors. I didn't see the game, so I'm just looking at the box score here. But, man, Rashawn Holmes playing well ever since they traded Noel. He's getting those minutes, dude. Everybody's going to know him by the end of the season, I think. Rashawn the Holmes other guy is really that's good. A- All right, so uh, Brandon Jennings is out there. I like the idea of Jennings with the Wizards. You and I talked about uh, them needing to add something uh, to the mix. Uh, once they get past their first five guys, there's a precipitous drop-off, and so it'd be nice for the Wizards to be able to add something. I kind of like, uh, you know, it's it's not like they're it's not like they're adding Michael Jordan or anything, but I think Brandon Jennings <laughs> would be a good addition. I think that'd be a good addition for the Wizards if that could take place. I mean, he can be a little spark plug off the bench, but I mean, he's he's Brandon Jennings. He's still an inefficient spark plug scorer. I don't know how much he really helps. Well, listen, there's there's moments in these games where Trey Burke can't get it past half court. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. He's an upgrade over Trey Burke, and it's like you know we just talked about all these additions matter, right? Like every single little improvement you can make could uh, make the difference later in the season or at some point, whether it's winning an extra game or winning a playoff game, it all matters. And he's an upgrade over Trey Burke. And ultimately that's really all that matters, right? You upgrade your backup point guard position, even if Brandon Jennings still isn't good really he's still an upgrade for what you have so that's a good move one for them more, if they do one more waved guy Luis scola is he totally washed up or could he help somebody oh uh, i mean every time you think skull is washed he turns it turns it around and starts helping somebody so i'm not gonna say skull is washed up until he's like retired for five years 
All right, fair enough. So those are the names that are still out there. Um, throughout the season, we have been doing our awards. We did them at the quarter point of the season. We did them at the halfway point of the season. And now it's the three-quarters point of the season. And so, here are the awards for the uh, NBA. All right, Kev. I have changed on my MVP. Rashawn and Holmes. I believe, no, it's not Rashawn Holmes. I hate to break it to you. I think, as of today, I'd give it to Westbrook. Okay. I'd give it – It's if this kid ends up averaging a triple-double – which it appears, you know, the, all the all the numbers guys say there is a good shot that that's going to happen. I don't know where they're going to end up in the standings, but they've got a chance to move up clearly from where they are right now. Hell, they could end up with home court advantage, and I would not be totally stunned if they got all the way up to four. And you're watching these games, and he is just totally taking over. I mean. 15 and 0 runs by himself. He had 21 in the fourth quarter the other night. Um, I think it. I, th- I think Westbrook's going to get it. I do. Especially, I, I I thought in the beginning of the season. Yes, the numbers are insane, but the team's not going to be that good. I was wrong about the Thunder. They are better than what I thought they would be this year. And he's just gone total supernova. And I think if you look up at the end of the year and he's averaged that triple double, that he will get the award. What say you? So on Westbrook, I, I think the additions they made at the trade deadline are definitely going to be nice. I, I like I like McDermott for him. I know he's he has a lot of flaws as a player, but helps their spacing. That's going to create more space for Westbrook to do what he does. So I think Westbrook could definitely have a big second half, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't get the triple double. I, I think he's definitely going to get it. I, I don't I don't think there's any way at this point in the season that he's going to start slowing down. I, I, I just don't see it happening. But with that said, my guy's still James Harden, Chris. I haven't moved off him. And it's just largely, I think, like we talked about before, because of the efficiency as a scorer. James Harden is a high-volume scorer, but he's also super efficient. Westbrook is a high-volume scorer, but he's very inefficient. And that's just really the difference for me. I, th- I, I look at what Harden's doing, 11.3 assists per game, He's killing it, passing the ball, but he's also averaging over eight rebounds a game if we want to look at the counting stats, right? If we're looking at counting stats, he's not too far separated from Westbrook. It just so happens Westbrook has a couple more rebounds, but Harden far exceeds him in other ways. And for me, uh, in some ways, like I don't think it's close for, in terms of one and two. I get Harden one, and then after that, it's kind of just a – big jumble of like Westbrook, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. I'm not really sure how to order those guys. I'll end up with Westbrook too because he's having just this ridiculous season that I've never seen in my lifetime and we may never see again. But Harden's the one for me and I really don't see that changing. All right. So I've got Westbrook. You've got Harden. Sixth man of the year. Um, Looked like it was going to be like that Eric Gordon had made the big push, right? Um, Once he had got moved to the bench and he was killing it and, and Houston was killing it. And then they added Lou Williams to that mix, who Lou Williams was already having a really, really good season uh, with the Lakers. He's leading them in scoring, and now he's playing for the good team. I kind of feel like Lou Williams might end up being able to get that award by virtue of what happened at the trade deadline. I think you're right, honestly. I I think if you look at I don't think he would have gotten it in L.A. He he wouldn't have gotten it in L.A. I, look, I mean, if you look at the counting numbers, right, like points, whatever, yep. 
I think he I think he exceeds Eric Gordon in almost everything. And I think now with Houston, there's going to be a lot more attention on him in terms of he's on a contending team, right? So he's going to be replicating the same exact production that he was putting up in L.A., which was really good. He was one of the best pick-and-roll playmakers in, in the league this year. And now he's going to be doing that on the Rockets, where they have the best spacing in the NBA, where their pick-and-roll attack already has James Harden, and Eric Gordon's pretty damn good himself, too. Adding Lou Williams to that, their trio of those guys is really, really strong. And and I, it's hard to choose between those two at this point in the season, but I I kind of do lean towards Lou Williams just because of his ability to pl- uh, playmake a little bit more than Eric Gordon, but it's really close between them. I, I don't even know who the third guy would be. It's really just a, a two-man race at this point. Coach of the year? Oh, this is this one's tough, man. I thought a lot I about this so. this morning. It's hard. I mean, th- there's like a couple guys you can say, and then you can. Th- I mean, you then you can look at the under the radar options like Scott Brooks and Quinn Snyder, and it's like those dudes deserve some attention too. Mike D'Antoni's out there. How about you, Chris? Who, who's your choice? I think I think if, it depends on where they end up in the standings. But if a team that is perennially not, it usually goes to somebody that has improved a team dramatically, right? And so you have two teams here that could very well get home court advantage in the playoffs whose teams were not playoff uh, teams last year. Um, and, and maybe and, and, and it wasn't necessarily all because of coaching that they weren't playoff teams. They have improved their rosters, or in the case of Washington, Bradley Beal's healthy. But I think Scott Brooks and Quinn Snyder, if either of those do get home court advantage with their respective teams, those guys, I think one of them will probably win because that's that's the way that award usually goes. Rather than rewarding ultimate excellence, I suppose D'Antoni would have a chance at it too because of the – uh, wins improvement, but it's usually a very simplistic who improved the most from last year, and the Wizards look to be on track for that. Utah seems to be on track for that, and Houston seems to be on track for that. So just given the standard that has been set over the years, whether I agree with it or not, I would say that those three would probably be the favorites. Again, if we're doing it today, if we're doing it today, the three-quarter season award, I think it would be between those three more than likely. See, I, I don't I don't think Quinn Snyder's gonna win. I, I just look at that. I have a feeling he's gonna be glossed over. People aren't gonna realize how many injuries they've had. Like there's their original starting five has started like only ten games together. Cause at one time or another everybody's been hurt, whether it was George Hill, Derek Favors, or even Hayward missed some games earlier in the year. Like they've suffered so many different injuries and yet they would still have home court if the season ended today. Uh, I just I can't I can't get off Quinn Snyder as the guy that I kind of lean towards just because how well they played despite all the injuries. Like, there's so many options. Like, we didn't even mention Eric Spolstra, the turnaround of the Miami Heat. Like, they are right on the edge of the playoffs right now in the East. And if they sneak in, I think a case could be made for Spolstra. In a way, like, you look around the league, there's a lot of good coaching in the NBA right now. And you juxtapose that against the NFL, there's not a lot of good coaches in the NFL. Whereas the NBA, it feels really strong right now looking around the league. Yeah, I think I'm with you on Snyder as of today. They they would have home court advantage, and they, he has been dealing with all kinds of injuries all year long. Um, and to still be in that spot right now. People thought they were going to be a good team, but I think he's done a really good job uh, with that team. Uh, rookie of the year, it was 100% shoe-in for Embiid, but now who knows if he plays another game the rest of the season. 
And if he misses, you know, he's already on a minute restriction and wasn't always playing back-to-backs or wasn't playing back-to-backs. And so now if he misses a, a quarter of the year, you know, did, did that – can he still win it? If he, doesn't, if he doesn't play another game, could he still win it? I don't think he should if he doesn't play another game. And and like if the season ended today, you know, we're at three quarter point. He's still he's still the rookie of the year in my uh, in my opinion. But if he doesn't play at all by the end of the year, it's hard not to make a case for Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks or even Dario Saric, who is just absolutely killing it this month for the Sixers. So I think those two guys by the end of the season, if and B doesn't play, have stronger cases than Joel because he's played what like thirty one games. I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to give it to him despite his immense production in that stretch. And I love Joel. I I think he's a beast, and he should have made the All Star game. But only thirty one games out of eighty two. That that's a really hard case to make. Yeah, I don't think you can give it to him. I'd give it to Brogdon. Sucks. As of today, yeah. As of today, I'd give Brogdon. it to Brogdon. Brogdon's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Sarge could make a run, right? Like yesterday in, in my article, I, I mentioned how Sarge could make a run, and there was tweets like saying, Brogdon's the guy. It's like, yeah, right now Brogdon's the guy, but the way Sarge is playing these last couple weeks for the Sixers, he's been awesome. Like he looks, he's averaging like high, like 18 points a game or something like that, like close to a double-double, and he's making passes like he always did overseas. He looks like, he looks like the guy that played for the national team, and that, that's a really good thing for the Sixers because I, I I think he's a I think he's a better prospect than people give him credit for just because he does so many things well and we're really starting to see that this month from him. The Embiid stuff's scary, man. I mean, because he couldn't even you know Sucks. couldn't make it through this he couldn't make it through this season. He's already missed two seasons. Now he couldn't make it through this season. It's not like he's been he took on some kind of full load. I mean, he had a. He had, he had a very reduced role as compared to what a normal NBA basketball player would have, and he couldn't make it through this year. Just scary, man. I talked I talked to an, an executive at at All Star, like of another team other than the Sixers, and and we talked about Embiid, like just how much of a shame it is that he can't play. And he's like, obviously, it would be good for you know all the other teams if if Embiid isn't dominating for the Sixers, but as a fan. As a fan, that's sad, right? It's just sad if, if we miss out on Joel Embiid at, at like just the elite level he can play at. And, and the player he brought up is like, it would, it would be a shame if he turned out to be like a Bill Walton type where he has like two, one or two or three years where he is clearly the best player in the NBA, where he is clearly one of the greatest big men of all time. But that's all we get. And, and I, I hope that's not the case, though, because... I want to see him be dominate for 15, 20 years. I, I, I just do. I, I think I think it would be a shame if we don't get that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, defensive player of the year, Draymond. We're on board with that, right? Yeah. Draymond. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Draymond. Be, even though Rudy Gobert, you could make a case for him. I, okay. I think so Draymond's Draymond, the guy, though, just because his versatility. And, then, and most improved, Giannis. I mean, he went from a guy yep. that hadn't made an all-star team to starting the all-star game. Yeah, it's Giannis. Yeah. And besides okay, that, like enough, Otto then, Porter, Nikola Jokic, but it's Giannis for me. I think the only thing we really agree on is MVP. And I think I'd give it to Westbrook today and you'd give it to Harden. Yeah, I, I wonder if the vote will turn out that way too. Where like a, there's a strong consensus. Because I feel like there's like a strong vote for each one. Oh, there will be. But those two, they will be one and two. And I'm not saying that Durant yeah. shouldn't be in the mix and that uh, LeBron shouldn't be in the mix and all kinds of great players. Uh, Kawhi, the, the, these guys should all be in the mix. I'm saying 
when it all comes down to it, number one and number two in some order is going to be Westbrook and Harden, barring something bananas happening the last 20 games of the season. I think so, too. It's definitely going to be with those two guys. Who, who do you think actually wins? Like, Who do you think the media is going to vote for between them? You know, Harden's already gotten the overlooked thing. I don't think there's ever been a year where Westbrook was in the mix and he got overlooked, per se. Right, that that somebody wanted and people thought it should have been him. And it took this totally out of body ex- experience season from Steph Curry a couple years ago to take out Harden. Harden could have won it two years ago, for sure. You know, he had no chance at it last year. But two years ago, Harden had a great case to be the MVP. And he didn't get it because of the Curry year, right? And so the fact that he's been on the doorstep, I think gives you, you know what I mean? Like right when you've been there on the precipice and somebody looked at it and said, wow, there's a great case for him, but I'm not voting for him, that maybe it's a little easier to break through um, just psychologically for voters. But I think it's going to be hard as hell to look at that sheet and see a triple-double being averaged for an entire season (laughs) and be the guy that said, you know what? I don't think the guy that averaged a triple-double and thir- you know, 30 points a game deserved <laughs> the MVP. Like, I, just, I feel like you could talk your way out of Harden. I think it's a lot harder to talk yourself out of Westbrook. Like, I think it's... I think it might be because you can come up with other cockamamie stuff. I love him as a competitor or fourth quarter scoring or defense with game on the line, whatever. Like, there's a lot of things that... I think you could say like extra stuff that you like about Westbrook. Um, whereas, and and again, I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying you're, you're trying to make up an argument to validate it. I just think that it is so hard to argue against the guy that averaged 30 points a game and a triple double over the course of 82 games. That that's what would, that's why voters would just say to hell with it. I, you know, because what, what, like, There's no great argument against either of them. There really isn't. There's no great argument. They're both having these insane seasons simultaneously. And I think to try to make an argument strongly against one of them being the MVP of the league, that's just goofy. There's no way. I mean, come on. (laughs) They're both. We should do co-MVPs. Not a bad idea. Co-MVPs is lame, man. I I hate (laughs) co-MVPs. You hate it. You so hate, lame. So you lame. Hate Kobe. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. It's lame. Just pick one. Just make a decision. Right, fine, Come I on. Did. I, fine. Hey, hey. You know what? I did. Westbrook. Now you happy? Now you I happy, know. dumbass? Yeah. I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, now you want co-MVPs, don't you? <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I, see, I, I think Westbrook's going to end up winning just because people are going to glance at the stats and say, oh, wow, triple-double, and he's going to win. So I, I think it's going to be Westbrook, but my vote's going to be for Harden if I get a vote, which would be cool. On the Ringer's fast food list, the honey barbecue chicken sandwich is the James Harden of fast food sandwiches. So that's well, why he's getting it, it my play- vote. Well, you were the only one that liked it, too. <laughs> so damn low on the list. You voted at number one, and it was what, yeah. like number, tw- <laughs> like number thirty something, thirty seven. They're like throw, they're, they're like throw O'Connor's shitty choice in there somewhere. <laughs> Just throw him a bone, uh, make him feel good, make him feel good about uh, himself. 
check out that list fast fastfood.theringer.com the 15 most important guys in the eastern and western conference we'll chat about that we've all taken jobs to earn extra cash back in the day I was slinging t-shirts on the sidewalk to make extra cash, but I've got a better way for you to earn extra money on the side. It's so much easier today thanks to Uber. Uber is the ultimate side hustle. Driving with Uber is a new way you can earn extra cash whenever you want. It's not just another job. It's a totally flexible way to earn. You can turn it on and off just like your car. And if you got a few spare hours here and there, drive with Uber. Have you ever wanted to be your own boss? I bet you'd be a great boss. Drive with Uber and you're your own boss. If you're driving right now, you should be earning right now. I'd do it. Listen. If you enjoy earning extra cash, if there's something special you'd like to buy, your car can start making you money. So go ahead and get your side hustle on. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to uber.com slash drive now. That's uber.com slash drive now. U-B-E-R dot com slash drive now. All right, Kevin, so yesterday on the ringer.com, it was posted your 15 most important players in the Eastern and the Western Conference for the rest of the season. Now, you picked a guy from all of the different teams, but if I, if I put the screws to you and I said, all right, who do you think is the most important player? Of all of these, you surely had stronger feelings about their level of importance um, as compared to the other ones you wrote about. Do you think there is a most important player in the Western Conference? Um, it's probably KD. It's probably LeBron in the East. <laughs> that's, I think that's why I wrote the shortest paragraphs on those guys because everybody knows right. they're all, all already super, super important. So, I mean, it's those two. For the Kevin Durant thing, I, I just want to see them run pick and roll with him and Curry. That's all I want to see. I just want to see those guys run pick and roll together and see how defenses react to it. But I, don't, I have a feeling we're not going to get that often until the playoffs. Now that we are three-fourths away into the season, uh, and their record is admittedly totally ridiculous, right? I think they're, what, 40-9 and nine right now? Something like that. Um, has your opinion changed? They're fifty and nine. Forgive me. They're fifty and nine. Um, has your opinion changed at all as to the level of competition that can be posed against them in the playoffs? I think I think teams can can at least compete. I think the Rockets and Spurs could could really go. I don't want to say toe to toe, but I think they could take it to six. Maybe take it a seven. Uh, I think those teams could compete. I mean, look, I still think there's a chance the Warriors abs- absolutely smoke everybody and have like a 16 and one or 16 and two uh, playoff record. I still have a feeling that could happen. Like if they catch fire and if they're just rocking on all, they're just killing it. I have a feeling they could come close to going undefeated in the playoffs. I know that's outrageous to say, but. They have that upside, right? Like we talk about with draft prospects, they could become the next blank, right? With the Golden State Warriors as a team, they have that upside. It's just all a matter of will they be clicking at that level come playoff time. So I think the Spurs and Rockets can compete with them, and then obviously the Cavaliers in the finals could too. But the Warriors still have just crazy, crazy upside as a team. 
Okay, well, what about the fact that Blake Griffin has come back and is doing more, I think, more of what you thought he was capable of? Um, And since he has come back from injury, he has been fantastic for them. Are you not persuaded by the way the Clippers can look at full strength? Uh, Their bench sucks still. I just think think their bench is going to get smoked. Like by all those top teams, like we talked earlier about the Rockets and the, the addition of Lou Williams and how much he'll help them. They they have they have the leading two six man of the year candidates on their bench, and they could add Andrew Bogut potentially. Whereas the Clippers, you look at that their bench and it's like Austin Rivers, Raymond Felton, Brandon Bass. Like, come on now. It's not, it, I think I think they need Blake to be playing at this ridiculous level. To, to really have a shot because I, I just don't think they have the depth and, and I think that's what's really going to create a difference for these teams over the course of a playoff series their bench is just going to get pounded encourage everybody to go check out uh, Kevin's articles the 15 most important players in either conference the rest of the way but another thing that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about was you wrote down the you wrote, you had you had rookies for some of these teams you had Brandon Ingram you had Chris Dunn um, I believe you had Marquise Chris um, you, know, you had Dario Sarge, as you mentioned, for the Sixers. And there were rookies spread throughout these important players' list. Um, if I go back and I redo the NBA draft right now, because you write these draft guides, and as I said, you, you included these rookies on the list. If I go back and I do the draft today, who's the top three in the draft? Do you think Ben Simmons still goes number one if we redo the draft, let's say we held the draft tomorrow night, does Simmons go number one still? I mean, Ingram would have been my number one pick in the first place, but I I think the Sixers would wouldn't move off Simmons. I think it would. No, still but I'm saying be the way it pl- Simmons- I'm saying the way it played out. Listen, I, I know who you liked. I'm saying it played out with yeah, Simmons one. I, I, it- I think it would stay the same. I think it would. It would be Simmons one, Ingram two, Brown three. I, I really think it would stay the same. Wow! If, if anything would change, maybe the Lakers would think a little bit more about Jalen Brown, right? Maybe they'd think about him, but I still think they'd end up going Ingram, too. You do. Do you think it yeah. still goes Dragon Bender 5, or I'm sorry, Dragon Bender uh, 4, uh, Chris Dunn 5? <laughs> no, definitely not Chris Dunn. <laughs> definitely not Chris Dunn 5. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who would elevate to that spot, but maybe Jamal Murray? or something like that. Uh, I I just don't see Chris Dunn going top five if we held the draft tomorrow. And Bender, Bender, I think, would stay around the same because the the Suns knew what they were getting. They they knew they were getting a guy who's a long-term project. So I I can't imagine that changing. But Chris Dunn, definitely, he he has not looked good at all. Man, I really loved him in college, too. There was a lot to love. So fast, so so dynamic, can score from different levels. Like when when his shots on, uh, there's a lot, and he's uh, he was a hound on defense in college. Just a lot to like about him. And, I'm really and, surprised. Like, I'm patient. Really, yeah, I know. Yeah, and rookie point guards, it's it's just it, it, that is the it is uh, a big mistake to judge guys on their rookie years. It is like point guard, um, but man, he hasn't shown a lot. He really hasn't. Like I was hoping to, I was hoping to see more flashes than what I've seen so far. That's that's what I'll say. I, I think that's what you want to see, right? Uh, and that's kind yep. of what I alluded to in in the article. Um, 
and for the Western Conference, it's like, from Chris Dunn, we just need to see some flashes over the second half of the season when he gets opportunity. And those flashes aren't necessarily, like, highlight plays. The flashes are are him slowing down and, like, putting a guy on his back in the pick and roll and making an accurate pass. Those are some of the flashes that we need to see, and there haven't been many of those at, at this point in the season either, which is really, really, in a way, surprising to me. I, I thought I thought he would be a little bit more along. Uh, at this stage of the season, but I mean, I think I think I think with his age, people thought he would be more ready than than actually he would because he had a weird development um, path in college with his shoulder injury and all. All right, let me ask you about one other thing from the Western Conference. You, of course, made Boogie Cousins one of the guys to keep an eye out for. You and I both thought that the Pelicans could make a run and possibly get that eight seed after they acquired Boogie Cousins. It has gone very poorly so far, and there was for sure going to be growing pains. Is there any way, and here, we can do the quick overreaction, is there any way that the Pelicans actually got worse with the Boogie Cousins trade? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I don't th- okay I don't think they got worse right to answer your question I don't think they got worse however I don't think this is like some trade that guarantees that two three years from now we're not talking about how the Pelicans need to trade Anthony Davis before he leaves in free agency I'll put it that oh way God. I, I think there's a chance this still goes terribly wrong and a couple years from now we're just wondering where Davis is going to go next I hope that doesn't happen. I want those two to dominate together. I mean, th- those guys, Davis and Cousins, could be the best big man pairing we've seen in many, many years. And I hope it works out. I but saw you put a out a stat the other. I put. I saw you put out a stat. You tweeted out a stat the other night. I almost fell on the ground. It was something oh, like that. That that, that was incorrect. I think that one was incorrect. I deleted that. <laughs> oh, you did. Was that the, was that the assist stat? Yeah, you said they hadn't had an assist with them yeah, out on yeah. the court or something. That 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 was that was like a a search error on on stats.nba.com. Oh, it was, it was for a, God's er, sake! Error, error by me and error by the site. I deleted it within like ten seconds because I don't oh, like to spread misinformation. Kevin, good grief! <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus, in this era of fake news, who can I trust? <laughs> you're you're fake news. You're fake news, O'Connor. <laughs> Fake news. That's Amen. it. That's all. Amen. It Unbelievable. Is what it is. We all we all this make is... mistakes. <laughs> Good grief! Fake news, Kevin but O'Connor. Fake news. With that said, with that said about the stat being incorrect, <laughs> these guys do need to find a lot of chemistry. Like there has been a lot of ISO from those guys. Um, I feel like they need to figure out how to play well together. I, I just want to see more pick and roll with them. More 5-4 pick and roll with Cousins handling the ball and Davis rolling or popping. Like, how do you stop that as a defense? How do you stop a pick and roll with those two dominant bigs that can do literally everything on the floor? I want to see more of that. And I think that's that's hard to install, though, midseason. That's something that might not come until the summertime, and then we see an unveil next year. Stop trying to talk your way out of tweeting a false stat, O'Connor. Hey, man. Right. Hey, Clean man. it up. Kellyanne Conway that. Clean it up. Clean it up, O'Connor. All right. Uh, let's get to the Eastern Conference. I must tell you, I watched Indiana the other night, and of course they got that big win against Houston last night. Now that they've got all their guys healthy, I don't think they suck, Kevin. I don't. 
I know that it was kind of like, ah, Pacers are lame and middle of the pack team, and Paul George's been bitching all year and whatever else. But you know, Thad Young was back, Lavoy Allen was back. They're no, they're no, I'm just, they're, they're not they're like, like three and seven in their last ten. <laughs> I get you, but they also listen. Hold on they're now, two out of their you last hold, three, yeah. Yeah, you hold the phone, and and they walloped the Grizzlies, and then turn around. Winning at Houston ain't an easy proposition. Yeah. And I'm saying once they've gotten their guys back, I, I was just saying from watching them now that they've gotten healthy. When they bring guys off the bench, it's not a bunch of shitty players. They got some pretty good guys on that team. And maybe I'm just persuaded by what I've watched recently, but in between watching them beat the Grizzlies and then turn around and beat the Rockets last night, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I think my I think my opinion's changed a little bit. And if they end up being, if they go on a little run here at the end of the year, it wouldn't be all that shocking to me. I really, I was kind of impressed by them when I watched them the last couple times. Yeah, they've, they've definitely been better. They have the dunk champion, Glenn Robinson, who won probably the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. And he, like, repeated the same dunk. Sorry, yep. that's just an aside. Yep. Not a fan of the Glenn Robinson dunk contest win. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, like, and, as listen, for the Pacers. Listen, Al, Je- Al, Jefferson's still, Al, Al Jefferson's still out. But Paul George, Miles Turner, Jeff Teague, Thaddeus Young, C.J. Miles, Rodney Stuckey, and then they got Monte Ellis, and they got, you know, LaVoy Allen, whatever. I mean, they got... They got. I'm just saying, like they're not. That's not a crappy basketball team. No, it's not. They they have talent, man. I, I think. Yeah. I think the the key really for them was figuring out how to make that talent work together. And moving Ellis to the bench was definitely a good step forward for them. And improves their spacing in the starting unit, despite the fact Thad Young also isn't that good of a three point shooter at this stage of his career. They, they have better spacing by moving Ellis to the bench, and I think they have better chemistry in their backcourt. Um, Will they sustain this? I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm really not. I still think they're just a bubble playoff team at best. I don't I don't expect them to make the jump like a lot of people did before the year. Maybe you're right, and maybe what we saw for, against Houston is the start of things to come. But at the same time, that loss last night, it's really just about the Rockets missing shots, right? They were 10 of 45 from three. Uh, they're going to have nights like that where they they just can't put the ball in the hole, but they're also going to have nights where they just light it up. And I just I just think last night it was more about just missed shots from Houston than anything else. I think Indiana has been better, but I still don't think they're they're a team that's going to make any noise at all in the playoffs. Fair enough. Uh, well, noise is now. Maybe a a different term than it was uh, a couple of days ago, given the Kyle Lowry injury, right? Because I think, you know, with your 15 intriguing players or 15 most important players in the Eastern Conference, would you have changed? You had Serge Ibaka as the Raptors representative. Would you have changed that if you knew the Lowry injury? And I know they're saying Lowry could come back by the playoffs, but a wrist is obviously not what you want have going on if you're a point guard and the ball is and you're so high usage and the ball is constantly in your hands um so they're saying you get back to the playoffs but that still you know they have not back for the playoffs but who knows what their seed is now by the time they get to the playoffs uh toronto knowing the injury for lowry would you have changed your important player to the raptors no, I wrote that Ibaka thing before the Lowry injury, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if it's actually even like important because then it would be the best player on each team. But it's more like important in the sense that 
Ibaka, this final stretch of the season is really about seeing him develop chemistry with his teammates come playoff time, seeing how he's integrated on the defensive end of the floor. And they've been playing a lot of small ball units with Ibaka at the five and maximum floor spacing. And they look so damn good on the defensive end. The ability to switch all screens, guys like P.J. Tucker, who looks great. I mean, before the All-Star break, they were not a good team when DeRozan was on the floor without Lowry. They had like a minus six net rating or so, but they're they're really, really playing well without Lowry now. And a big part of that is DeRozan is absolutely awesome on offense, but it's also that their defense has been damn good between uh, behind the, the acquisitions of Ibaka and Tucker. So at this point with Ibaka, it's just seeing how he develops within that unit on both ends of the floor. I hope Bogut doesn't choose Cleveland, if I'm being honest with you, because, the, you know, I, I I talk myself into, while it's hard to talk yourself into somebody being so competitive with the Warriors that they could win a series against them, I, especially with the whole love unknown, had talked myself into, maybe we do get a Game 7 uh, in a Boston series, or maybe even a Toronto series, or maybe even, you know, in a Wizards series. Um, that the, they're, they're starting to build up these teams that I thought might be able to be very competitive against Cleveland. If they add Darren Williams, well, they already added Darren Williams, but if they add Williams and Bogut, I think that I don't feel that way anymore, and th- and that stinks. So I hope I, here's hoping he chooses somebody else to make that more competitive. I think it would be fun seeing him go against Draymond, though. <laughs> you do? Yeah, it'd I mean, be really I, fun. Yeah, if he likes get, getting, getting kicked in the revenge on, oh, on hey, his can, team can, for right, trading him for KD. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought this up because this is the last thing. You have been a nard kicking defender. When Draymond has repeatedly kicked people in the nards, you've oh, been come one on. Of, oh, hold up! You've been <laughs> one of the. You've been one of these guys with the natural motion. There's videos breaking down that he does it all the time. Blah blah blah. Right? You, nobody ever wants to admit that he's just a serial uh, nard kicker. <laughs> that be, that being said, he's laying on the ground the other night in the game against the Clippers, and he damn near tries to kick Blake Griffin straight in the head. I will ask you, as I have you on the stand right now and I am the prosecutor, do you believe Draymond <laughs> Green attempting to kick Blake Griffin in the head was natural motion? Um, I need a lawyer. <laughs> Where's my lawyer? Uh, actually, happened? so, okay, look, look, what, what, I, what I said was... <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm defending myself from like you know like a like a parent like a, a teacher yelling at me and I got a fight at school or something like that. Exactly what I, what I said was what I said was some of Draymond's kicks when he comes down from a rebound, right? His oh. leg naturally swings upward. Those ones are natural. However, the one against Blake Griffin the other night that was really really bad. That was that's a bad look, man. Those are the unnatural ones. Where, oh, oh where okay, like, okay, okay. So, so he does. He, he has natural ones and unnatural ones. That's where yes, you're standing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because okay. Here, here's my thing. Here's my theory. Right. He th- he has always done these kicks. Right. So for him, a lot of them are natural when he comes down from rebounds. Right. But I think like you look at old pictures of Dennis Rodman or other guys rebounding the ball. Sometimes 
they kick their legs out to really just try to create more space to and it's it's kind of dirty in a way when you think about it obviously as we've seen with Draymond kicking uh Steven Adams in the balls and nearly decapitating Blake Griffin um but I, I think sometimes he embellishes it and that's when it gets him in trouble is when he really just I, I don't know I don't even know what's going on through his mind there might be nothing going on through his mind it just might be the way he's playing the game and that's something he needs to get out of his game but with that said is my thing is we need to be careful about c- considering every single one of his kicks or anybody else's kicks when they come down from rebounds as dirty I think okay, that's uh, that's uh, my me, my hangout. That's my hangout. Right, me, we need to be careful about going one. too far with the rule, or else it becomes the NFL where every tackle is considered helmet to helmet, even though a player might might have dipped their body down. Right? We need to be careful about going too far down because I think it's a slippery slope. Kevin, allow me to make myself more clear. Do you believe that Draymond Green can control his own legs? <laughs> Uh, I, I hope so. I, I hope he's in control of his own body. All right, the, the, the prosecution rests. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Kevin, hey, enjoy all the basketball this week. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to go to the ringer.com and read Kevin's articles about the 15 most important players in the Eastern and Western Conference the rest of the way. You demand. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Kev. Hey, see you, Chris. It's going to do it for another Ringer NBA podcast. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks again to Uber for sponsoring today's episode. Uber's the ultimate side hustle. Driving with Uber is a new way for you to earn extra cash whenever you want. It's not just another J-O-B. It's a flexible way to earn. You can turn it on and off just like your car. Listen, if you enjoy earning extra cash, if there's something special you'd like to buy, your car can start making you money. So go ahead, get your side hustle on. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to uber.com slash drive now. That's uber.com slash drive now. U-B-E-R dot com slash drive now.